God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for allowing us to be here this morning to worship you corporately. Uh, we thank you for your presence, God. We just pray that you'd continue to speak to us this morning. Through your word, open up our hearts this morning. And I pray that we will listen to your voice this morning, God. Um, we thank you for who you are. And in all these things, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Mercy Hill. If you're here this morning, my name is Jonas Ramos. I'll be sharing the message. Um, if you've been following the <clears throat> reading plan this week, we've been in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, that's where we'll be this morning. And I'm going to be reading from verses 1 through 12. If you notice that my voice is a little bit strange, I've been struggling this, this, this week. We were at small church and I, I could barely speak, so I'm glad that it's coming back eventually. Uh, God is good. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will, will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do, not, do, do you remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and you know what is restraining him now, now, so that he may be revealed at his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's, he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with his breath, with the breath of his mouth, and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs in, and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are, are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends him, to, sends him a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I'll go ahead and pray once again. God, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you will open up our hearts and just help us to see you through this passage, Lord. Speak deep into our hearts this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, <clears throat> this letter was written by Paul um, to the church of Thessalonica, and at the time of writing, um, he was imprisoned. 
because he could not go personally to visit the church. And so he started the church and he left. And because of all the persecution that he was going through, um, the church continued to thrive and to grow, uh, but he was in prison. Um, during the existence of this, of this church, as I said, it was growing and people were hearing the word of God and, uh, you know, growing in spirit, loving each other and loving Jesus. And all of a sudden, uh, the people were going through these, these lies from the enemy um, that the coming of the Lord Jesus had already happened. And so the people were deceived. It might have been because of a sermon or because of a letter that was sent to them or by any means. So the church heard this message and they were deeply troubled. And so Paul writes this letter. The first thing is he wants to refute. He wants to correct this thought that the day of the Lord had already come because he hadn't yet. And as you know, he has not. And so he writes the letter to correct that and to assure the church that the day of the Lord will indeed come. Even though it's not here, it will indeed come. And to assure them that they are destined for glory. And so these are the aspects that... This, these are the things that he addresses in this letter, uh, especially in this, in this chapter. And so what I would like to uh, focus on first this morning is the fact that when these people heard this message that the, the day of the Lord had come, they were deeply troubled. They were shaken in their minds. Uh, something that shakes you is not something that you don't care about. If you hear something you don't care about, you normally don't worry about it, do you? You don't worry about it. If I come here and I say, hey, Samuel Amashiel has died, the first thing for you to think about is, who is Samuel Amashiel? Because you have never heard, you probably have never heard about that name. Who is it? And you probably won't even care because you don't know the person. And so if somebody comes and tells you something that you care about, that it has gone wrong, then that is going to cause you to be shaken. It's going to cause you to be troubled in your heart. And so this church heard that the day of the Lord had come, and they were troubled because they were still there, and they couldn't see Jesus. They might have thought, oh, how come this Jesus has come, and he has, to, he has not taken us? We're still here. Where is he? Right? And so... They were troubled. It caused them to be deeply troubled. Now, if a lie like this would come to, we, to, to us, would we be troubled? If somebody would come and tell us the day of the Lord has come and it has passed, are we concerned about meeting Jesus or not meeting Jesus? Are we um, concerned about the day that when Jesus comes, to take his church with him, if we're going to be with him, are we concerned about that? Do we care about that? If that was us, would we, would we, would we be concerned about that? But this church, um, obviously they were concerned and there was all this information going on. And so Paul writes the letter 
to correct that thought. Now, as far as the day of the Lord itself, every religion in the world, um, it has some type of notion that something is going to happen one day. Um, it might be, they might call it the apocalypse or the judgment day or the end times um, or even the end of the world. Um, back home in Mozambique in the year 2000, there was this uh, belief that the year was going to end in the year 2000. And I remember at the time I was 19 years old, I was about to turn 20, and everybody was deeply troubled. What is going to happen? People who had money at the bank, some of them withdrew their money, and they squandered it, and some people who had like cattle, they slaughtered cattle. There was so much meat that week. So much meat. And people were giving it away because they were so concerned, because they were so worried about this end of the world, right? So that's kind of what was happening here. People were worried. Oh, how come Jesus has come and he hasn't, he hasn't uh, taken us, right? But every religion and every person, if we go to any person, we might, we might find out that they believe something about the end of the world, about the apocalypse or the, the end, of, end, end, end of the days and, and something similar to that. Yeah, but the truth is, it will happen. The day of the Lord will happen. It's not here yet, but it's real and it's going to happen. And what I would like to emphasize here is that this day when Jesus comes, it's going to be about him uh, displaying his righteousness and justice to the world as a whole. It's, it's going to be a display of Jesus' righteousness and justice to the whole world and giving reward to those who believe in him, to those who trust in him, and punishing those who do not believe in him and those who rebel against him. So the day of the Lord originates in the book of Genesis, even though it's not necessarily said the day of the Lord. We can see hints of this day from the book of Genesis all the way up to Revelation. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall, and I believe you're familiar with the story of the fall where Adam and Eve were made in the image of God and they, were, uh, they had a relationship with God and at, at some point in their lives, they chose to define good and evil in their own terms and they ended up doing what God had told them not to do and they sinned and immediately they died spiritually and they were expelled from the Garden of Eden. This was a display of God's justice. You sin and you die. And God had told them, had warned them that the day they did that, they would die. And that's exactly what happened. So we see here the fall as a depiction of God's justice, of God's righteousness in this passage in Genesis 3. And going further ahead in, in Exodus 14, um, there was the so-called the day. 
And I believe you are familiar with the story of the people of Israel that um, were taken, uh, they were captives in Egypt serving the Egyptian government, being uh, enslaved there for years and years. And there was a day when they were rescued from that slavery. God appointed somebody, Moses to be specific, to go and rescue his people from Egypt and take them to the promised land, Canaan. And so one day, uh, the final day there, uh, they were able to leave Egypt and go through the Red Sea. And what happened in that day is that God brings judgment against Israel and the soldiers of uh, against, uh, excuse me, against um, Egypt and the soldiers of Egypt, and he, you know, he, he brings this judgment in the Red Sea, and all of the soldiers, the whole army, perished in the Red Sea. And so that was the judgment that God had brought against them on that day. And so this is called the day, and God commanded them to celebrate this day every year of their lives. And as we go further in the book of Amos, something different happens here when the people of Israel, they have turned against God. Instead of serving God, they're serving other gods. And God calls Amos to warn the people of their worship because it was misplaced worship. And so Amos goes and announces God's judgment against Israel. God's people. And so we see here the day coming against God's people because they had chosen to worship other gods rather than worshiping the God that had brought them out of Egypt. And finally, in in Revelation 19, we also see the day of the Lord, which is the final triumph of King Jesus when when he comes to the earth. Uh, to take his church with him and to save those who trust in him and to bring judgment to those who do not recognize him as their savior. And so this theme has been, uh, we can find this theme from, from the book of Genesis all the way up to the book of Revelation. We might not see exactly uh, saying the day of the Lord or the end times, but in some ways we can discern, we can find, we can see some signs that it's, a, it, it's about the day of the Lord. And so the day that God will bring justice into the world as a whole. Uh, here on earth, we have governments everywhere. Every country has a government, and every government has the so-called the justice system. And I believe that is... That is true here in America. <clears throat> the Justice Department uh, is, uh, is a part of the government of the United States. Uh, in my country also, there is uh, the Department of Justice. Um, and that comes from the need that we as human beings, we want justice done in our lives. We have this longing to see justice done because there is so much evil in the world. And the Justice Department 
um, role is to enforce the law to make sure that every citizen is abiding by the law, is following the law, and to prevent crime, and to bring judgment to those who commit crime and disobey the law, and to settle disputes between people, and so on and so forth. So we do want to see justice done to ourselves, to our communities, to our families, to our friends, to everybody around us. And while this justice department exists, it does not prevent evil from happening. People still commit evil. And the justice department does not always, at least in my, in my opinion, does not always rule with justice. I don't know if you would agree with that, but at least the experience I have is that not always uh, the ruling is fair and just. Um, as an illustration of this, my wife and I were in Mozambique, and um, a group of thieves came to our house uh, a couple nights in a row. And it was about a week. The last time they came was on a Sunday. The next day was a work day. I was supposed to go to work. I mean, both of us were supposed to go to work. Um, and so they came at 2 o'clock in the morning. We couldn't sleep anymore because we were so fearful that they were going to come again and attack us and, and so on and so forth. So at 2 o'clock in the morning is that time when you're so sleepy and, you know, you're, you're basically gone asleep. So that's the time they chose to come. Um, one way or another, we found out they were outside and we chased them and people in the neighborhood helped us. We chased them and somehow three of them got caught and they were taken to, to the police station. And the police station took them to, the, to jail. And these guys were jailed for about a week. And they were sent away. They, they got out of jail. That's the kind of justice department that we have. Someone who was at someone else's house at night. They haven't been tried. Nothing happened. And they have been released from prison. And what are they going to do? They're going to come back again and do the same thing because there was no punishment against them for what they've done. These kind of things, I believe, happens here in America, probably, but it definitely does happen um, in Mozambique, where I'm from. But the good news is our God is not that way. God's justice has no partiality. Anything that we do, one day we're going to stand before God and give him a verdict. Anything that we do. God does not, there is no corruption with God. We're not going to go and talk to a judge so that we can be favored. There is none of that with God. And that day, the day of the Lord, is going to be about that. It's the day when each and every one of us and all those people that passed away long ago and the people to come that are going to be born, 
they're going to stand before God and God will unveil his justice to the whole world corporately. And that could be good news if you trust in the Lord Jesus. Truth, truly, it could be bad news if you do not. Because we are all going to be judged according to our, according to our deeds. In the book of Psalms, 89, verse 14, we read, we read like this. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithful, faithfulness go before you. And in Proverbs 16, 8, it says, Better is a little with righteousness than great revenue with injustice. This is... This is this is God. It's, it's one of his attributes. He's just and he's righteous. And so we see the world and the things that are happening, and I think you would agree with me that the justice of the world is very, very, very different from the justice that God has as his attribute. It's very different. There is so much partiality in the world. There is so much bribery happening in the, in the court system, and there is so much stuff, you know, you know uh, cases being judged in, in unfair ways, unjust ways, things that we see but we cannot do anything about, right? We know, we know for sure that something went wrong. This thing was judged unjustly. We know that, but we can't do anything because we are voiceless. But this day, the day of the Lord, none of that will happen. Because there is nothing that can be hidden from him. Nothing. And he is the judge who can see everything. He sees everything that we do. And when he comes to judge us, there is no way to go around that. Everything will be fair. Everything will be just. Because that's who he is. That's what he is. He's righteous and he's just. Now, the day of the Lord, it will be a joyful day for, for, for us who trust in the Lord because we're going to receive our reward from God himself. We will see Jesus. It's going to be very joyful to see him. But for those who do not trust in the Lord, it will be a very, very troublesome day. It will be a troublesome day. And there will be a lot of crying and gnashing of teeth because they'll receive what they deserve. And if you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, where am I going to be? Am I really going to receive a reward from Jesus that's good and just live with him forever and ever, have eternal life with him? If you're doubtful about that, today is the day. We don't know if this day is tomorrow or if it's even today at 12 o'clock or when it is. We don't know. Nobody knows. But today, right now, is the time for you to seek God and to repent and to seek his face and ask for forgiveness for your sin and be right with God. Today is the day. It's going to be a terrifying day. 
because there will be eternal punishment for those who do not believe in Christ. In Isaiah 13, verse 9, it says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes cruel with wrath and fierce anger to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. To destroy its sinners. Jesus is a righteous man. And he came to the earth and did that which we could not do for ourselves so that we would have access to the Father. And it's up to us now if we want to acknowledge him as our Savior and confess that he is Lord and believe in him wholeheartedly. And that's what, it, what it's needed for us to be with him when he comes. Now, if we do not do that, if we choose to rebel against him, just like the angels rebelled against him, just like uh, the unbelievers re uh, rebel against him, we are going to receive what we deserve when he comes. It, this is the day when the evil will not get the last word. The evil will be, will be defeated once and for all. There will be no sickness anymore. There will be no corruption anymore. There will be nothing that threatens us today. No more fear because we will be with the Lord Jesus. And every human will stand before him and give in a verdict for what they've done and receive what they deserve <clears throat> as punishment if they do not believe in him. Now, one of the things that Paul says here in verses 3 and 4 is about the lawless one. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will, come, will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God, object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So Paul urges here the church to not let themselves deceived. Is it hard to find deception in the world today? Is it hard? I don't think it is. Deception is everywhere. Deception is everywhere we can go. There is, there is a lot of Gospels out there that tell us what is different, different from what Christ tells us, from what Christ preached, from the message of Jesus Christ. And so Paul tells them, do not let yourself deceived. How can we recognize deception? And how are we going to recognize the lawless one? In the book of 2 Peter, chapter 4, 3 and, 3 and 4, it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and now 
is in the world already. The spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. And I think you would agree with me with that. When you look at the world, the way things are today, the things that are happening, there is no way that these things would be happening if it, if it wasn't the, the spirit of the Antichrist. Uh, back in Mozambique, there was a guy, I believe the interns, if the interns are here, will remember this name. There was a guy called Kaku Philip. This is a guy that he claims that he hears from God. And he says that every generation has one prophet. And so in our generation, he is the prophet. And so he hears from God. And he has this book that he claims it's inspired by God. And so people in our generation have to read that book and not the Bible. Okay? So this is what this guy says. And the interesting thing is this thing has so much adherence. So many people are going to him. They, they look for this book. They want to buy it. And he's making so much money from that. Okay? So much money from that. And he keeps traveling from country to country in Africa, claiming to be preaching the word of God. Now, will you believe if somebody says, stop reading scripture and read this book that was inspired by God that I wrote? Would you believe that? I don't think so. But there are so many people that are following that. So many people. And here this morning, he t Peter tells us the way to discern these things. He says, every spirit that does not recognize that Jesus came in the flesh is the spirit of the Antichrist. And that's what we believe. We believe that Christ, he came at in the flesh, and he lived a perfect life on earth, and he died on the cross for us. He did that which we were not able to do for ourselves in order to bring us, to bring us reconciliation with God. This is what we believe, right? It's what we believe. So if any spirit that would tell you something different from this, he should raise flags, right? He should... We should raise our, our eyebrows, right? We should be doubtful of that spirit. And so we're being told this morning the way to tell if the spirit is from God or if it's from, from the Antichrist or if it's an evil spirit. So many things are happening today. Everywhere we go, we see things happening. But the one way for us to remain steadfast is clinging to Christ, is worshiping Jesus, is just praying to him. Because when this day comes, there will be no bribery, there will be no unrighteousness, because Jesus himself will be the judge. And we should be joyful to know that Jesus will come on this day to judge his people because we're going to get an inheritance from him. We're going to reign forever and ever and ever with him. This is very comforting. We should be taking 
a joy, we could have a joy, we could be having a joyful heart by just by thinking about that, because we know that Jesus, whom we believe, is the one that is going to come to do this. The Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist, is already in the world. And it, I don't think it's hard to know that spirit because the things that we see today are very clear, very, very clear. You might see a sermon by somebody who's preaching um, something that is not according to the word, or you might see even the government doing things that are not in accordance with the word of God. And I believe that the last couple of years have been a very good example of us and the fact that we can't really put our trust in our governments, in the whole world. I'm not even talking about only America. The whole world. We have seen things happen in the world that have shown us that we cannot put our trust in our government. Our trust should be in Jesus himself. We should be trusting in Jesus because he's the righteous judge and he has saved us. And one day he will come in glory to rescue us. And he's the one that's going to make a new heaven and new earth for us to inhabit. We should be putting our trust in him, not in anybody, any government department of, or any person claiming to be Jesus or claiming to be God or claiming to hear from God when we know that they're not speaking the truth of the word of God. And the only way for, for us to remain steadfast, for, the only way for, for us to remain strong is just in him. The strength is in him. We are so weak. We are very weak. And we can only be strong in him. Only in him. In verse 4, it says, He opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. I think this is interesting. He takes his seat in the temple, and he tells people that he is God. That he is God. This, this guy that I just spoke about, that's exactly what he does. Believe in me. Believe in what I say. Because I hear from Jesus. I hear from God. Completely falsehood. Falsehood. And sometimes you may not even hear somebody say that, per se, but the things they say, they will be similar to the scriptures, but there will be something that is going to tra uh, trap you. Many times these things that they say, they're very similar to the scriptures, but there is one thing that is different, and it's easy to not notice that. That is why we're called to be discerning. We need to discern what is good and what is evil. Now, are you going to stand strong when these days come, when the, when the Antichrist comes and he takes his seat in the temple 
and he claims to be God, are you going to stand strong? Will you be strong enough to refute that information? To say, no, I trust in God and you are not God. Will you be strong? What's going to be the source of your strength? What is it? Is it going to be Christ? Or is it going to be something else? And again, we see a lot of deception. A lot of deception happening in the world. People preaching things that are contrary to the gospel, that are contrary to Christ. And the only way for us to discern those things is if we spend time in Scripture, spend time worshiping Him, because He is going to reveal the truth to us as we seek Him. The more we seek Him, the more we know the truth about Jesus. The less we seek Him, the less we know the truth, and the more likely we are to be deceived the more likely we are to be deceived. And it would be sad to see any of us being deceived by the enemy. It'd be very, very sad. So if you're here this morning and you don't feel secure, you don't, you don't feel strong in your faith, just seek Jesus. You don't have to do it in your own strength because you don't have strength. The strength is in Jesus. And he is here right now as we speak. He is here. Jesus spoke so many times to his disciples, telling them, the day is coming. The day is coming. The day is coming. And the day is really going to come. The day is going to come. When the things that we see are going to be bitter to those who do not trust in the Lord. It will be bitter. It will be a, a day of mourning. It will be a day of crying when Jesus comes. And in verse 8, he says here, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. No matter how strong this, this, this man of lawlessness is, no matter how strong he is, no matter how strong he will be, no matter how strong this antichrist spirit that's in the world is, Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth. Amen. Amen. He is going to kill him with the breath of his mouth. Now, the word breath here, this is, this is the Genesis language. If you can remember in Genesis when God created Adam and Eve, he, he created Adam, and he, he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. It's the same word that is said here, that, that's, that we see here in this, in this passage. He's going to kill him with the breath of his mouth. And this, is, this shows the power that he has, the authority that he has. And we know that he created the world, you know, in, through, 
through his word. And now we see that he's going to defeat the enemy with the breath of his mouth. Just imagine that. Imagine that. With the breath of his mouth and this Antichrist guy that is going to proclaim his, himself as God is going to be destroyed. And the evil that's in the world will never, ever, ever get the final word. It will not. It will be destroyed. Because Jesus has the power. He's able to do anything and everything. And it says here in this passage that he's being restrained. While we might not know what, what is restraining him, we know that whatever it is, it has to be a power that is above him. It has to be a power that's so much powerful than him. He is being restrained. And God is giving us an opportunity for us to just seek him and to seek salvation and to seek repentance and to be saved so that when that day comes, we are ready to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're being given time. God is giving us time. How loving is that? How loving is it? As his enemies, we have turned, his, we, we have turned our backs to him. We, we, have, we have sought unrighteousness in our lives. We have sought sinful stuff in our lives. But even with that, he forgives us of our sins. He comes to the earth and he dies. A death that we deserved. He dies and he's resurrected. And right now he's in heaven with the Father. And one day he will be back. He will be back. We can, we can know that for sure, that whatever we do, we have to know that Jesus will be back. And I'm not saying this to make you into an escapist, um, you know, thinking that, oh, I have to do all these things so I can escape that judgment. You're called to have a relationship with him, to love Jesus. As long as you do that, you don't have to worry about being punished by him or going through this uh, judgment and righteousness by God when he comes. All we need to do is just believe in him and just to give our lives to him and worship him wholeheartedly. And we do not need to worry. And when he comes, he'll going to, he's going to give us our inheritance. So no matter how strong this man of lawlessness might be, he's going to be defeated. He'll be defeated by Jesus himself. And I'm going to call the worship team to come up as I close here. No matter how deceitful this man of lawlessness is, he's going to be defeated. Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth. And it is not going to be hard. It's not going to be difficult because Jesus has all the power. He has all the power. It's not going to be hard. He will be defeated. And I hope and pray that when these things happen, 
we are ready to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord when he comes. I hope so. I hope that we don't, we are not, we don't go through this judgment and righteousness and justice that God is going to display on that day. And I'm hoping that you, you feel encouraged, encouraged this morning to continue steadfastly following Jesus and knowing that one day he'll be back to take you. And this should be a reason for us to rejoice because we are not doing this in vain. We are not laboring in vain. We are going to receive an inheritance from Jesus and that day we'll be here one day. He'll arrive. Thank you, God, for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that one day you will be back and you're going to judge the world with righteousness, with justice, and with fairness. We thank you, Jesus, that you are that God that will do this. I pray, God, this morning for my brothers and sisters here and myself that God will conform us to yourself. Help us, God, to seek you every day. Help us, Lord, to be steadfast. Help us to, to be discerning of the lies of the enemy in the world we live in. Help us, God, to seek you every day and to find you, God. We thank you and we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.